0: Chapter 3 The square of daylight from the entrance fell behind him, farther away and smaller with each step, until he reached a stone floor. Scott climbed down twenty-five stairs, one at a time, counting them as he did. There was no railing. The staircase fell openly into a pit of her like a propped-up ladder in a well. It was pitch-black darkness. Scott couldn't see a thing. A strange hum rattled in the distance of what felt like an endless void. He took a step forward, pointing his gun out in front of him. He began to wonder if the sound of the fallen wrench had just been his imagination. Scott's imagination was very powerful. That's why he was able to drive four hours without noticing a thing. It was also how he found peace in a crowd of drunk old men. His imagination could turn everything off. Often he imagined absolute nothingness, just blank white. He took two more steps and the back of his hand brushed something frail and cold. It moved away and then returned, slapping against his knuckles. It was the pull chain to the light. He held it a moment and hesitated. He felt up it and touched a dusty light bulb just inches above his head. The ceiling was very low. He grabbed at the chain and pulled it. The cellar burst with light. He shielded his eyes. The room was not big at all. It was a single dugout space with a stone floor and dirt walls. It was completely empty except for a large amount of spider webs, and a single cardboard box lying sideways in a corner. As his eyes adjusted to the light, he gave the box only a quick glance before noticing something much more disturbing. There was a man standing in the corner as well. A small, strange-looking man. He was young and covered in smears of motor oil. He was wearing a red cap, blue coveralls, and was holding a wrench to his chest. The whites of his eyes were pink. The man stared into the barrel of the gun Scott held pointed at him, and then he looked into Scott's eyes. You're early, the man said. Scott had never seen the man before in his life. He'd never been to these woods, this state, whichever state it was. He'd never been in this cellar but somehow the man knew him, or at least thought he knew him. He'd only said the two words, but they were enough for Scott to realize he'd walked into something at the right time. Early, in fact. Scott nodded at the man and lowered the gun. Yeah, Scott said, putting the gun back in his jacket. The man stepped over to him and handed him the wrench. Here, he said, his eyes kind of mad. Take this. Scott took the wrench. The man stepped past him and climbed the stairs. That's all right, though, he said over his shoulder. We'll get you all set up anyhow. Turn out the light before you come up. She's inside. Scott stood alone in the cellar for a moment, thinking what he should do. Come on, the man shouted, and bring that wrench. You'll need it. Scott looked at the wrench in his hand and grew very confused. Then he pulled out the light and climbed the steps. When Scott came up into the yard, the man was standing by the fire pit with a rifle pointed right at his head. Don't go getting all afraid, the man mocked. I'm just checking you out. I figure you pointed one at me so I can point one back at you. He took his finger off the trigger, dropped the sights from his eye, and threw the butt end over his shoulder. There, the man said. Now we're even. Scott had nearly pissed himself. His heart was pounding. He managed to smile a fake smile like he'd played this game before. He waved the wrench and shrugged. You got me, he said. The man chuckled and tossed him a set of keys. Scott caught them in midair, but gave them no regard, pocketing them instantly. If he was going to continue to play along, there would need to be as little questioning as possible. This man was obviously extremely fucking dangerous. The rifle was real, and he pointed it right into Scott's face. The man kicked one of the beer cans aside and spit onto the skewered carcass. Did you bring the money, he asked. Scott looked at the ground, deciding how to respond. What did we agree on, Scott finally said, acting forgetful. The man smirked. I figured you'd say something like that, he replied, spitting again and wiping his lip with a fist. Everybody shows up trying to renegotiate a price. The man's expression suddenly changed, like a sick thought had amused him. I tell you what, he said. How much did you bring? Scott thought of how much cash he had on him. Roughly a few thousand dollars scattered between his wallet, his trunk, and a hidden envelope in his glove box. Five, Scott muttered thinking it was vague enough to keep things moving. The man sucked his lip. hundred? he asked with a squint. Scott nodded. Whatever he was now purchasing for five hundred dollars intrigued him enough to not think this price too high. He'd spent five hundred dollars on much less interesting things. Give it here, the man barked, growing excited. Apparently, it was more than he'd expected. Hand it over. Let me have a look at it. Scott put his hands in the air. Not till I get a look at it, he said sternly, utterly baffled at what it could be. The man spat and agreed, nodding quickly. I suppose, he huffed. Let's get you a look then, money man. He left the rifle draped over one shoulder and brushed past Scott as he exited the backyard and ducked beneath the twisted gutter. Scott looked at the smoldering remains in the pit, wondering where the hell he'd wound up and if there was a safe way out. He squeezed the wrench, realizing that its handle was cutting into his palm from the tight grip he had on. it. He turned and followed the man. Giving a final glance back at the black carcass. What were you cooking? he asked, motioning to the pit. The man spat, and his eyes lifted up past the treetops. The last of it, he said.